Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. Good evening. I'll get you there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Before I start sharing this morning, I just want to say from Glenda and I how grateful we are to be part of this family. So you have made us feel so welcome. Uh, it's the transition to repatriate back into the country is being made like really easy because of you. So I still don't know 98% of your names, but at least I'm recognizing faces now. And I'm enjoying your company and enjoying being here and being part of what God is doing. And I'm really super excited about the future. So thank you, thank you so much. Wasn't it special last week just acknowledging the seniors? They're a good-looking bunch, eh? But I had to laugh because somewhere I heard whispers behind me, what age (laughs) is a senior to stand up? But let me put it to you that that question is the same one When your wife stands in front of you and says, do I look fat? There's no correct answer. You're going to be in trouble whichever way you answer that question. But you see, amongst these older people, weird, some of the words that describe them, weird, older, eccentric, scary, wacky, cranky, forgetful, they can't see, passionate, technologically challenged, and that's just me, not them. But, as seniors, we're also gray-haired, we're slower, we're wrinkled, we're parents, we're grandparents, we have wisdom, we carry scars of life and we've experienced life, we're loving, we want to contribute, and we're still here. Thank you, yes. Where's Luan? Luan, I want to tell you a big secret this morning. When your wife looks at you and says, hello, handsome, you know what she's really saying, hey? Handsome over. <laughs> just got to make sure. Just got to make sure you get it. Okay, nihao. Well, some of you got that. You should be saying nihao back to me, otherwise I could say marlo. Not more, Lord, marlo. Get it right? Okay, first slide. There we go. Welcome. A beam of sunlight. That's what you need to be this morning. I want you to put a beam on your face, and I want you to laugh. And while you're laughing, I'm going to take the gospel, and I'm going to throw it in your mouth like this, and you're going to swallow it while your mouth's wide open in laughter. Okay. So you need to concentrate, because we're going to show a lot of pictures, and uh, God's going to speak to you while we look at these uh, interesting pictures. Next. So this is a picture of Shanghai. This is the city that we, that we lived in. It's uh, the iconic photo. Actually, other side, that double bridge that you can see there, there's a big river between there and the other side. Um, it's called Pudong of Shanghai, that, what you can see. And all of that you can see there was built since 1990. So when we arrived there in 2011, uh, out of those tall towers, the, the one on the left with the the ball on it and the one with the hole in it, they were already, uh, in fact, the one with the hole in it was just being finished and the one on the right was built while we were in China. They built that at uh, three stories a day when they were building it. Every day it would go up three stories. 
So every day you just watch it inch up into the sky. But in that city, there are 25 million people, and we were part of that. And uh, the mind just struggles to comprehend so many people living in, in a space like that. Next picture. Uh, this is the same picture at night, all lit up. They don't have any power problems there. There's no load shedding. Uh, and that is the Huangpu River that you can see there uh, that is used for uh, barges and traffic, ship traffic uh, up and down the river. Uh, Shanghai is very flat. I once traveled about 100 kilometers inland, and there was a sign there that said four meters above sea level. So, <clears throat> but it, we, we loved our time in China. It was re really special. And later on, I'm going to share, hopefully I'll remember to share something about somebody in China that actually radically impacted my life and changed my thought process over some things. But in the meantime, I'm going to share some other things that impacted my life. Next. So if you're looking for a sign this morning, this is it. No, don't laugh. I'm telling you that there's a sign there for you this morning. Just need to open your heart and you're going to see. Okay. Next. You are here. Well, some of you actually need to know that. You need a sign that, I mean, this is the most stupidest sign that I've ever seen. You are here. I mean, what, it's rather logical. But, but at the same time, I want to tell you, some of you are here, but you're not here. You see, we're going to get serious very quickly and in a hurry because some of you, your bodies are here, but the rest of you is not here and your spirit's not here. But you see, when you walk with Jesus, it's got to be everything. When you come to church, it's got to be everything. Next. And some of you should be here. Vusi, you should be here. I'm telling you, don't. John Crumpton, you should be here. <laughs> and those of you that are still in bed, you should be here. Now, let me say something serious to you. You know, in COVID, being at home is great. But COVID's over, and we have the privilege of gathering together because that's what the church is, when people meet together, not online. You should be here. Next. You see, we should all be followers, but some of you are saying, I'm lost too. I don't know what's about. Next. No, you're not lost. You're in the right place. You're in the right place this morning because the Holy Spirit drew you here and he's going to speak to you this morning. Say amen. amen. Uh, you see, you've just invited him to come and do that. Next. Mm. He just wants you like you are. Next. I just like this sign. Etienne, ne war, ne? Amen. You see, I got an amen already. Uh. It's got nothing to do with the Bible. I just like it. Next. <laughs> so let's move on. Next. Let the adventure begin. Well, I'm telling you, life is an adventure. It doesn't matter whether you're up or down or where you are on the roller coaster of life. It's an adventure, and it should be an adventure. Next. So I'm going to share this morning some things. Uh, I was very challenged uh, at the beginning of this year by the church in Shanghai that, that we went to, uh, International Church. And I was asked to share about the things that God had done in my life over the years. And so I started putting them together, and it ended up in two sermons or two messages in China. But uh, since I've got back to South Africa, I see it's like a, it's like a whole, it's, it's open-ended at this stage. Because there are lots of things that God has taught me. But this morning, I want to start off with the very core things that God began to do in my life uh, from, from a young age. Um, and as he processed stuff to challenge me and to help me to become who I am today. 
Next. So firstly, you all need to have a story. Now, I don't want your story to be my story, and I don't want your, my story, you know, I don't want to be your story either. You must have your own story. You need to have a story. Every one of you, I don't care how old you are and how long you've been a Christian or not a Christian, doesn't matter. You need to have a story. Yeah? You need to have your own testimonies of how God used you to heal somebody else. You need to have your own story about how God used you to lead somebody else to Christ. You need to have your own story about how you encourage somebody else to have a better day. Yeah? Please, have your own story. Very important. Next. So back to Philippians. I love this. And Daryl stole. Daryl's actually been stolen, stolen my whole message uh, over the last few weeks. So I, I'm just presenting what Daryl's presented in a different voice. Yeah. You see, you, because some of you read this and you don't understand what this means. But this is very significant for me, this verse. Work, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's not fear and trembling because God's got a big stick and he's going to beat me up. I used to think like that. But I'll tell you what it is now. It's to work out my salvation with fear and trembling because when I stand here with this microphone, I'm te- terrified when I start when I come up here. Every time I preach, I'm shaking. You know, there's a big wind that blows up here. If you hold paper, it goes like this. But, but it's not that kind of fear. It's the fear that I'm going to miss what God wants me to do. That's what, for me, what fear and trembling means. Because every day, I want to make sure that I'm living like he wants me to live. I don't always get it right. But I want to give it my best shot. And that's what working for me, fear and trembling means. Next. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. I want God to will and to act for his good purpose in my life. When I'm driving down the road and it's the taxi driver and it's the people running across the road and it's whatever. What does that look like for you to act according to his good purpose? Next. Because this is what I see a lot of people doing. They complain and grumble and argue. But that's not what those verses tell me. He says, don't do that. Stop arguing and disagreeing and being difficult. And I'm going to tell you how to, how to stop being difficult in just in a few seconds. Next. Me and God, we don't get along. Because some of you think that. You think that you and God don't get along. Well, if you develop a relationship with him, then you get along. You know, some of you are marriages that are wobbly. Well, it's because you don't communicate and you think you don't get along, but you don't make an effort to fix it. Love is a choice. You decide to do it. I decide to love me. Arranged marriages work. (laughs) If you choose to make them work. So if you've at least chosen your partner, you should be able to make it work. Just stop doing all the nonsense. Okay, next. So, so in this journey I discovered, and, 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 and the, I did this whole thing back to front, like really back to front. Please, I'm trying to help you to fix it and make it straight. Some of you are going to be like me. You've also got it all back to front, and you probably haven't even completed it. But for you young people, I'm telling you, get this thing right, right from the outset. If you're a new believer, sort this out like immediately. Okay, next. 
So there's a man called David Pawson who was around long ago, excellent, excellent Bible teacher, but he wrote this book, The Normal Christian Birth. So he goes to the bookshop in the UK and, uh, and, and he wants to see if they, you know, so he walks to the Christian section and he wants to see if his book's stocked in the, on the shelves. He can't find it anywhere. So, so he goes to the counter and, you know, they didn't have computers to go, yeah, it's in stock. So, turn the pages, find it, you know. And she says, the, the, the person says, yeah, yeah, no, we definitely have it in stock. Guess where it was? The maternity section. <laughs> but you see, it's pretty appropriate that it should be there because it's the normal Christian birth. How are you birthed? So I was birthed badly. But I don't see a lot of you walking around with an umbilical cord in nappy, still sucking a dummy and a bottle and whatever it is. Yeah? But as Christians, that's how you live. You're still wanting people to change your nappies and you're still wanting people to cut the umbilical cord because you're dependent on everybody else to help you. But you, you're getting excited about clapping, but I haven't actually given you the really good news yet. It's still coming. Mm. Okay, so what are the four steps to help you to have a normal Christian birth? Okay, first one. Next. Repent of your sins towards God and be born again. So, so this one I did at the very end. Hmm. Sad for me. You should be sad for me because it's not a good thing to do it at the end. You see, I was, born in a, I was raised in a Christian home. My mother, mother was a strong believer. But what happened was is that I'd give my heart to Jesus and then I'd go to church and I'd feel really bad a couple of months later and I'd give my heart to Jesus again. And then I'd feel really bad a couple of months later and I'd give my heart to Jesus again. And I would do it again. And I would do it again. Because what was the problem? Nobody was telling me like Daryl so ably did that I'm justified, which is my position in Christ, and then I've got sanctification, which is working my salvation out. Nobody told me that. So every time I did bad things, I thought I needed to become saved again. And so my whole teenage life, until I was 22 years old, I did that. I'd respond to Jesus and give him my heart because I really wanted to be passionate about following him. But then I'd get stuck because I'd do bad things or not so good things and then I'd want to, I need to do it again. And then somebody told me about sanctification and about the normal Christian birth. And so what happened to me was that when I was at university, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit first. And that shook me up all over the place. And I'll get back to, I'll get back to that and also water baptism. And then only years later, like seven or eight years later, did I discover what repentance was. I was in my late 20s by the time I understood what repentance was. So somebody in the break asked me, what does repentance look like? So the first thing that I can tell you about repentance is when you come to Jesus, you need to deal with your past. And some of dealing with your past may mean visiting those that you hurt. So if you were a naughty little schoolboy and you stole ice cream from the shop down the road while you were, you know, instead of paying for it, you may need to go back to that shop owner and say, when I was at school, and repent. It's not just saying sorry. Repentance is not saying sorry. Repentance is, I'm going to stop doing it, and I'm asking you to forgive me. Or I forgive you. There doesn't need to be a reciprocation. Hopefully there is, but if there's nothing, it doesn't matter. Because forgiveness is you saying, I forgive you. Even if the other person says, mm-mm. Because they may do that. 
But sometimes you've got to fix. I, I even know people who pay back money that they've taken and blah, blah, blah. Repentance means a whole change of heart, and I'm stopping doing what I'm doing. But once I get saved, I need to continue to repent. So what does that look like? Well, it means every time I say something and I hurt you and I offend you, I need to repent of it and stop doing it. So I was a goody-goody, you know. I didn't do all the bad stuff. And it took me so long to understand that some of the good stuff that I was doing, I needed to repent of it because it hurt people. It was fun. It was pranks. It was whatever. And then I discovered that my pranks and my sharp tongue really hurt people. And I had to go and fix that. You know, it took me six months when once I played truth and dare. Don't ever play truth and dare. It's not worth it. Let me tell you. I played truth and dare. The, the students pressurized me, peer pressure, into playing a game. So I threw some stones on a roof. And God convicted me of that. And six months later, I went back to that town. And I knocked on the man's door and I said, I'm really, I've come here to say sorry to you and forgive me. And he looked at me with big eyes. I said, I threw stones on your roof six months ago. And he said, I don't remember. I said, I do. Because that's what God does. You see, God takes his finger and he puts it on your life and he says, deal with this. And you can choose to do that or not do that. You see, I only had an opportunity to fix that six months later. But I did it because my fear and trembling on my walk with God said that I should do that. Not to just ignore it and put it on the shelf and bury it. I needed to fix and make right. Next. You see, some of you are still in construction. Mm. Next. Yeah, some of you are out of order. And some of you need a sign that says, you know, some, day, some days I'm just not looking so good, you know. And I carry a sign like that says, you know, I've got issues that need repair. Yeah? Yeah, some of you do have that. It's okay. It's okay to have issues that need repair. Next. Now read the middle line, scratching all the arteries and veins of the body. This is in a massage parlor, so don't ask any more questions. But you see, it's, it, it, it's a really helpful sign for me because it tells me that the Holy Spirit needs to scratch you in the places that you don't want to be scratched. In every area of your body where your blood flows, God wants to touch your life. Yeah, next. The second thing you need to do is believe in the Lord Jesus, yeah? You need to have faith. And thank goodness of what God gives us faith to believe because you can also have the gift of faith and you can grow faith and you can do all that stuff. But right at the outset, God gives you faith and you need to believe. So you need to believe, which I've done multiple times in my, my, in my life, uh, but the repentance also needs to happen with forgiveness. Next. You see, a lot of you need to go to the hope of faith store because you need faith. You need more faith. So you go shopping at this store and then you get smart. Yeah? Okay, next. <clears throat> Just try something. Just try it. Don't make jokes like me, and don't try and do a sermon like this. Okay, because you're all individuals, yeah? So just try something. Next. Mm. If you can make, make sense of that, mm. But you see, some of you should be saying, I'm where? Or, where are you? Mm. Next. But God always shines his light. He always shows the way ahead. View the lamp forward. But sometimes this happens. Next. <laughs> no, I'm serious. 
Because you think you're like this, and God, God said one thing to you, so you're off. But you're not listening for what comes next. Because sometimes it does this, and wants you, God wants you to go in a different direction. It's not necessarily a word for life. It may be. That's why it's so important to hear God's voice for yourself. Next. The third thing is be baptized in water. So I was filled with the Holy Spirit early in my first year at university. And every, every meeting that I went to, I heard them talk about water baptism. Because that's how God speaks to you, you know, sometimes. He just, I mean, I thought every sermon was about water baptism. Apparently it wasn't, but that's all I heard. And so I just went and I said, okay, I need to be baptized, and I got baptized. About a month after I was baptized, I said, hey, I understand what baptism is now. Can I get baptized again? Because now I really know what I'm going to do there. When I go in that water, I'm actually denying myself, and I'm following the cross, and I'm, and I'm going to be buried under the water there. And when I come out, I am dead, and Jesus resurrects me, and his power comes into me. And the guy looked at me, and he said, you're already been buried, you can't do it twice. <laughs> but the penny dropped because I began to understand in increasing measures that following Jesus meant that I laid down my life and he came into my life, which means I owned nothing, I had nothing, I was nothing, only I was somebody in Jesus. And that had incredible consequences for me later on down the road. Good ones, as it turns out, looking back, but tough at the time. But some of you, this water baptism thing is an interesting thing. Next. You see, because water baptism needs to be all into the water. No sprinkling, no showers. You know, uh, in Cathcart, it got rather cold in the winter, so we would uh, baptize people in the bath. But you know, I convinced the one guy when he was baptized in the bath, I'm convinced they didn't push his knees under the water because he never prayed about anything. So you, make sure everything goes under the water. That's what baptism is. It's a burial, people. It's a burial. I don't, I've never been to a funeral where they leave half the body sticking out. Never. You're dead when you get water baptized. And you need to be baptized in water. You know, I, was, I, was, I, was, I grew up in the Methodist church and then I became a methylated spirit and then I got free. Next. You see, some of you think you're mermaids. And I want to tell you that water baptism is not for guests. You need to make sure that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and that you've repented and you've had forgiveness and you've got faith in him before you get buried. Because when you bury your life and he lives in you and you just do it for fun, you're going to have a lot of trouble. Next. Don't dabble with it. Now, notice how many Chinese characters there are to describe no dabble. Next. The fourth one, receive the Holy Spirit. I did this one first. And I'm, gra I'm really grateful that God decided to actually pitch up into my life. But you know, when I received the Holy Spirit, it was a whole process. So, I, I, you know, there were four of us that started a prayer meeting at university. Two were filled in the Spirit, two of us weren't, you know. And they said, oh, we speak in tongues. I looked at them and said, what the hell is that? Meanwhile, I know my mother and Derek and all of them, they all prayed in tongues. And, and I've, I've seen my mother pray in tongues, but I was like, suddenly it was becoming personal to me. And by the end of that year, we were meeting with about 100 students praying every morning, praying in the Spirit. Ooh. But I went to a meeting once, and 
And the altar call was, who would like to speak in tongues? Oh, no, no, sorry. Who would like to, yeah, who, who would like to pray in tongues? It wasn't who wants to be baptized in the Spirit. It was who would like to pray in tongues. And I went to the front. Now, I don't know if you're bold enough when you're standing in an altar, altar line. So there were about 12 of us there, and everybody's on the floor, and they're all babbling, you know, going off in the Spirit. And I'm standing there like this, you know. And eventually, I'm really embarrassed. So I look at the, by then, you know, I've got three or four people, because they're really excited, you know. Charismatics get really excited. And, you know, they came over to me, you know, and instead of laying hands on me, they were leaning on me and all that kind of stuff, you know. So like the pressure, you know, just get the Holy Spirit, you know. And eventually, fortunately, I'm me. And I looked at the guys and I said, I'm really embarrassed, can I go and sit down? Because I had nothing. I didn't feel anything. And I went and sat down. They said, no, but let's pray for you afterwards. So I went, they prayed for me afterwards, and I... God touched me in a way that I wasn't really expecting, and, um, and nothing. No language, nothing. But you know, I was so desperate for God that I went back to my university room, and I, I'll be really frank with you, I don't kneel often. I really don't, my whole life. My prayer, I walk. That's my best way of communicating with God. But I knelt beside my bed, and I said, God, you promised that you would send your Holy Spirit to me. And I've got nothing so far, and I don't know what to do about it. And it was just like a prompting in my spirit that said, just make a noise. So I did. I opened my mouth and went, duh, duh, duh. Now, I know you moms all think that the first babies say ma, ma, but they don't. They always say duh, duh, always, <laughs> always. But, but, but God began to do something, and, you know, a couple of nights later, I was going, duh, 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 duh. And it took me about a month or six weeks, I, can't, I really can't remember now, before I was speaking in a language. Because your tongues, need, your prayer language needs to be a language. It needs to have nouns, verbs, sentence structure, full stops, commas, whatever it is. If you're just going, that's a sign of the Spirit, but it's not a language. And I want to encourage you, we're going to pray for you later on today, because I want to set some of you free to get a heavenly language that is something that will empower you and change your life. It's not tongues and interpretation and all that. It's a heavenly language for you to connect with the Holy Spirit. And it changed my life forever. And so what happened with that and the Holy Spirit, the water baptism, is that a few months later, I could look back and I say, whoa, and people would start saying, man, you are on fire, but... You know, I was so on fire, it was black and white, and I was very radical, and I did some really weird things and whatever it is. But God had got hold of me. God had got hold of me. My, my university career, I passed Christianity and failed everything else. And I found a wife. That's also another long story. But I found a wife in the process. Okay, next. You see, some of you need to go to the happy drink shop. No, serious. You know, I look at Christians, they look like they suck lemons, you know. Go to the happy shop. The Holy Spirit's happy. He's got joy. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to smile. He wants you to laugh. Have fun. Next. And please decline the bargain drinks. No doom spray, you know, petrol, you know, all that stuff. It's weird. Don't, don't do that stuff. It's the Holy Spirit or nothing. Okay. When they come to you and they say, I've got a bargain for you. God can. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Let God speak to you. Don't let somebody else tell you what to do. Next. You need the want, want gift box. Not just the want box. You, the, you must want, want it. 
You be like me, be desperate, get desperate for God. That's my challenge to you. Get desperate for God. Next. You see, because a better me is coming. Next week I'll be better, I promise you. Next. If you're the same as everyone else, you're lost. Don't hold back. Please don't copy me. I really mean that. Please don't copy me. Learn from me, because I'm sharing with you some of the marks that have scarred my life from the inside and that have changed my life. But don't be me. And I'm definitely not going to try and be you. I promise you that. Okay, you need to be you and you need to find God for yourself. Next. Cure your I don't understand disease. Because some of you say that, you know, you look, at, you look at me and then you say, but I don't understand. Well, go and read the Bible and find out what it says. Next. So lessons that I've learned. So this is, this is actually important. So, so those four things, faith in God, I didn't ever have an issue with it. Because right from the get-go, I, was, I think the first time I gave my heart to Jesus, I was probably about four years old, four or five years old. So the faith thing was never an issue with me. For some people, it is an issue. So faith... Repentance, forgiveness, that was a massive issue and it took me 20, 28 years or something to get that right. The Holy Spirit was something that I just saw and I desperately cried out for it. And water baptism, I just did it. I had no feelings. I, did, I went into the water, came out, nothing. But looking back, I know that I was buried there. I can see that looking back. And it's very important that you, be, that you get born again properly. If you've been in a religious establishment like I was in the traditional church, you're going to need to process that big time because you weren't taught correctly there. And the Holy Spirit wants to set you free. Next. So the first thing that I learned was remain faithful to what I know. So when things got really bad for me and I went through some tough, tough times, um, I remained faithful to what I knew. I tithed. I was generous. I went to church. I was pleasant, I hope, mostly. I carried the joy of the Lord inside of me. You know, I d the things that God showed me, I continued to do them. Sometimes it was tough. It sucked. I didn't want to go to church some days. But I went because the Bible tells me that I should fellowship with other people. Next. <laughs> some of your knowledge of church is just like that. Next. So I hope you're like me that you're still discovering. Next. But some of you wear t-shirts that so that's actually says one out of two out of ten. But some of you run on that kind of stuff. You wear shirts like that. You, you, you don't actually have that shirt on, but that's what the signal that you're giving. You know, your spiritual level is one out of ten, two out of ten every day. That sucks. God wants more than that for you. I mean, like all, us all to have 10 out of 10, but we at least run on 8 or 9. Next. And some of you look like that. You think that you are a secret agent in the church. And that nobody should know what you do. And that you're undercover, under wraps. And nobody actually knows. You have got big stories to tell of what God's done, but nobody's seen them and nobody's heard them because you're under camouflage. Get out from there. Next. I'm not perfect, but you are a limited edition. Next. No lying down in the church. You're not allowed to sleep in the church. Not, not just sleep in your pew. You've got to be active. Next. 
I like this one because don't read the, the, the other stuff, but it's the first one. Wakey, 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 wakey. It's an emphasis to you this morning. Wake up. Time to wake up. Next. Okay, the other lesson that I learned is that you can go around the mountain more than once. Uh, so the Israel's... It was about an 11- to 14-day journey from Egypt to the Promised Land, and 40 years later, they were still going around the mountain. Mm. I think some of you are still going around the mountain 40 years later. For you young people, please don't let it be 40 years. I really mean that. Please don't. Because like repentance for me, or even water baptism, every meeting that I went to, God said, water baptism, water baptism, water baptism. And when it came to the repentance thing, I just heard repentance, repentance, repentance. Because what happens is that you go around the mountain, God says repentance. And you don't do anything about it. You go around the mountain, he says repentance. Just learn the lesson that I'm trying to teach you. Respond to it. But you don't. You ignore it. You put it on the shelf. You say it's too difficult. And so you go around the mountain again. I mean, I can show you. I gave my farm away. I know what it's like to give up everything. I know a man who gave his house to a building fund. Sold his house and gave the whole house proceeds to the building fund. I know what it is when God speaks to you. And you've got to respond to that. You know, I looked at my father and he said to me, where are you going to live? I said, I don't know. He said, what, do you, what work are you going to do? I said, I don't know. And he was a non-believer and I'm trying to explain to him why, I've given, why I'm giving my farm to my sister. Rock, stock and barrel. Boom, the whole thing, just like that. I know what it is to deny, my cro- deny myself and pick up my cross. <laughs> I did a lengthy fast in 19, was it 1997, somewhere around about there, we did a 30-day water fast. <laughs> and after that, I actually preached my first message at a conference, and it was about deny yourself, pick up your cross. Because every day I got hungry, you know, and I'd look at the food and I'd smell food, and I'd just hear this voice in the back of my head, deny yourself, deny yourself. It was hard, but I, but I, but I didn't die, you know. Here I am. But you learned, deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow him. Next. But some of you, that's, where, that, that's the shop that a lot of you go to. Because I say to you, what do you do in church? Mm, you're very vague. What are your gifts? You're very vague. What do you do for God? Mm, as soon as you go, mm, then I know. You went to that shop. Vague shop. You need to get specific. What has God asked you to do? Next. Attitude is a little thing that makes a big difference. For sure your attitude is going to count. You know, when you look at the taxi driver, smile at him. Don't grimace or do anything with your fingers. Okay. Next. I'm totally flexible as long as everything is exactly the way that I want it. Uh, Some of you husbands, you need to listen and read that. Mm. Next. I may be wrong, but it's highly unlikely. Next. I'm not opinionated, I'm just always right. Now I want to stick on this one just for a minute or two. Because I think that a lot of us, I I had to learn this, this was a tough lesson for me, being opinionated. Because I really did learn that I was opinionated about a lot of things. But they were not biblical. And I watch what goes on, and I'm going to tread on some of your toes this morning. Nicely, I hope. What did Daryl say? He says, put your feet under the chair. I don't stand too hard. Well, just open your mouth wide and laugh, and I'll put that pill in there, the gospel. But I I watch people have got very strong opinions. You know, when when we went to Toronto in the 90s, 
And I came back and the media was full of all the bad things about Toronto and what was going on there. My first question to people was, you're saying a lot about Toronto, but have you been there? No. I said, well, why are you so critical of something that you know nothing about? You did not go there. You did not see if there was fruit of the Spirit there. But you're grumbling and you're complaining that it's not God and everything. But you didn't actually go there to look to see what God was actually doing. Because I went there and I'm telling you, I saw God change lives, including mine. So God's Spirit is obviously there. But you see, we don't only do that with the Toronto blessing. When the Ukraine war comes along, we're also opinionated. And when this little thing happens in the Middle East, we're also opinionated. And we keep forwarding stuff off social media that's opinions, not fact. And we think opinions become fact when we're on social media. But they're not. And actually what you need to be doing is what is God's heart for what is actually going on in our world? And what is God's heart for what's actually going in your social media life? You know, I'm, I'm really glad they changed Twitter to X because sometimes it just needs that. Just draw across through whatever message you got. Now, I'm being serious, folks. Please, if you're going to forward something on social media, please verify it. Please make sure it's, it's the right thing. Please make sure that the source is good because there are millions of opinions out there and I can stand up here as a preacher and I did that for a number of years as a preacher, giving you my opinion about how you should change and how you should live your life. You know, because I can stand here, and I promise you, I can stick my finger in your nose so far, and I'll scratch where you don't want to be scratched inside of you just by me, because I can see things. But I have learned that that's not necessarily what God actually wants to do in your life. Because I look at the outward appearance, and I watched a couple who came to our church, and they were living together, and everybody in the church kept coming to me saying, hey, do you know that they're living together? They shouldn't be living in sin, blah, blah, blah. And I, and I zipped my lip, and I shut up, and I didn't say anything. And one day, about three months after they'd been coming to church regularly, I went and met with them, and the guy looked at me, and he said, we stopped sleeping together from, from yesterday. And I said, and now who told you that? God. You see, I could have told them that on day one, and they would never have come to church again. But I let God do the work, you see, because what I can see visibly is not necessarily what God's doing internally. Yeah. So please don't be opinionated. I've had to learn this, and I'm probably still opinionated on some things. But please help me to understand what does the Bible say about stuff, and what, how should I follow the Bible? What is God's word to me? Not just all Holy Spirit goosebumpy stuff. Next. You see, because in the church, there is an office for accepting complaints. Next. But read carefully. It's far away. In other words, if you have a complaint, talk to the hand. Yeah, I'm serious. And if you're going to complain about somebody else, I'm going to look at you and I'm going to say, have you told that person? And if you say to me, no, I'm saying, talk to the hand. Don't come and talk to me until you've talked to the person. Yeah? Because that's how it should be done. Yeah? Next. I like this sign. Every day there's a flight, but every other day there's also a flight. I have no idea. But some of you are like that. You Every other day you're on another flight. Next. Learn from yesterday, live for today, hope for tomorrow. Yeah, you need to do that. You're next. Failure is only the opportunity to begin again, only this time more wisely. Oh, you, that's why I've got gray hair from such an early age. Next. Today is difficult. Tomorrow is more difficult. But the day after tomorrow is beautiful. Because the day after tomorrow, 
I'm going to be in heaven one day, and it's beautiful. And I look forward to that. I may have difficulty on this planet, but when I get there, it's going to be beautiful. Next. For I bear in my body the marks of Jesus. It's one of the things that, part of this talk that I've learned. Paul wrote that and said, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm sharing stuff with you that I'm carrying the scars and the marks of my journey with Jesus. If, you're, if you look hard enough, you'll see the scar. And I hope that I can see the scar in every one of you. You might be young and only have tiny scars or just a little thing. You may be young and have a very big scar because God's, you know, stuff's happened in your life. But it's that. Have you got a story? Next. As we close, be intentional. Be intentional. Next. You see, that lady, she's intentional. She knows exactly what she's selling. But sometimes I wonder what kind of hat or how intentional you are in your walk with Jesus. Are you under that camouflage thing, secret agent dealing, you know? Mm, Can't do that. You need to be intentional in your walk with Jesus. Next. I have a dream. Every one of you needs to have a dream. Not just the story of what's happened, but also something that you're looking forward to. Next. Mm. You see, you've got to do something about your dream. The church is not going to do it for you. Daryl's not going to do it for you. John's not doing it for you. The apostle, prophet, apet, or whatever you want to call him, not doing it for you. You... You need to hear God's voice for yourself and dream in God and then go and do it. Not think it, do it. Next. You see, sometimes the devil's got his foot against the door and you just got to push it a bit harder. Because you know, there are three things that affect you in life, yeah? The one is God, the other one's the devil, and the other one's you. You see, I worked out, I didn't need God or the devil to make me go bankrupt. I was quite capable on my own. Yeah, just spend more money than you earn. You'll get there. Don't need God or the devil to teach you that. Just try it. You'll see what happens. No, don't try it. Don't try it. Next. Open. There's always a way to open any door. And maybe it is a closed door. But God will provide a way for you. Work out your, your faith with fear and trembling. Next. Please hold your feet and take care of your hands. Man, when you're on the roller coaster, you need to do this. Take care of your feet. Don't let Daryl stand on your toes too often. And take care of your hands. Next. Let's go on. On a bicycle. Yay. Next. Next. Mm. That's what you got when you got me as a preacher. Perk up. Next. Because the future starts now. The future is not starting tomorrow or next year or when it starts right now. Right now. And for some of you, your future is about to change right now. Next. Make today amazing. Be intentional. When you go out there, be nice to people. Be kind to people. Be joyful. Make today amazing. That tonight you go to bed, you think, wow, God, that was just, I, I can't even explain it. Just so amazing. Next. And when you're finished in here, when we finish praying for you, you can go downstairs and continue. Next. And my journey is to be continued, you know, because God's still working in my life. So let's just come back to two things. 
I want to ask you, why don't you stand with me? That would be a good start. If you have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you have got a noisy prayer language that just sounds like syllables, if you don't have a language or don't have words, but you want to, come and stand in the front. Be intentional right now. Come out of your chair. Come stand in the front. You see, it takes, it takes a guts. You've got to do something. That dream, that dream thing means that you've got to actually take some action. Don't sit there and say, I'll do it tomorrow. Now. Do it now. I want you to receive the full measure of the Holy Spirit because it will alter and change the way that you do life. It did for me. And mine took months. Please, Lord Jesus, that this would be like instantaneous or a lot quicker than I had to go through. Now, I don't want to put pressure on anybody, but really this is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you. Some of you are even sitting there. Who's the Holy Spirit? You know, my friend Robbie Wardle, that was at his 21st, you know. They asked me to pray at his 21st. He was, he was doing all sorts of wild stuff, you know. And I stood up there and I said, Holy Spirit, get him. And somebody in the, in the crowd said, who's the Holy Spirit? Because that's what some of you are saying, who's the Holy Spirit? But the Holy Spirit is part of that normal Christian birth. Can I ask the ministry team just to come and stand in the front? Don't go to anybody. Just come make your way to the front as I pray. So if you're standing in the front, just lift your hands up. Close your eyes because nobody can see you. It's a miracle. Lord Jesus, would you baptize and immerse these people in your Holy Spirit this morning? Would you release a prayer language that is, a, is structurally sound to them this morning? Would it just be a dollop, a dose, a full measure of your Holy Spirit this morning? Won't you as a congregation just pray, pray with me in, in the Spirit? Out loud. And if you're standing in the front wanting prayer, start making some noises out of your mouth. I know it sounds embarrassing. I know it sounds stupid, but just make them because that's how you can start. And the ministry team, you can pray as you, as you feel led. Let joy come to these people. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. To overflowing. Let it overflow. Let it overflow. Erupt out of their mouth. Please, Lord Jesus. So just keep on praying for them. Keep soaking them. For the rest of you, we're going to do something else now. And I want you to be intentional about this. So, I want to be careful. Because... I don't want to say to you all, just lift your hands up and then I'm going to pray stuff over you and then you're going to say, yeah, but Chris prayed for me and now I've got trouble this week. Because when I pray something, it's going to happen because I believe in the Lord Jesus and I believe that I'm hearing his voice. But if you want to be intentional this morning and you hear God has spoken to you in some way this morning, just reach out your hand because I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray a whole lot of stuff, but one of them is going to be for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
I pray for this congregation this morning. I pray that we will be intentional about our walk with you. I pray that tomorrow, tomorrow, we will be intentional about having joy and being pleasant in our workplace. I pray that on Wednesday, we'll be really nice to the car guard. I pray that on Thursday, we will smile and wave at the taxi driver. I pray that on Friday, we'll surprise our boss with how happy we are and how good a week we've had, even though he might suck at everything else. Because Lord Jesus, we want to be intentional about our walk with you. And we want to walk into every room and in every situation knowing that we carry the presence of the living God inside of us. Therefore, when I walk into the room, the Holy Spirit arrives. Help us to be intentional in everything that we do. Be intentional about our husband, about our wife, about our children, about our family, about the servants that work for us. Please, Lord, come and change our world for this week. Let us not forget what it means to be intentional tomorrow. When we get crazy upset by something, would you remind us, would you remind us to be intentional about our walk with you and that you are intentional with us. So grateful to you, Lord Jesus. So grateful to you. We love you with everything that we have. Change our lives and change our world. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen.